This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. On this episode, I'm going to be tackling player valuation metrics, including things like GAR and WAR. What do they measure? How are they calculated? And on this episode, Stat Chat, I'm going to be joined by data visualization prodigy Jay Fresh, how he developed some of his beautiful visualizations. This is Ice Analytics. Welcome to episode 14 of Ice Analytics. I am your host, Matthew Arp. This is going to be an exciting episode for me. I'm going to be talking about something that I've referenced in previous episodes, GAR, or Goals Above Replacement. This is one of my most favorite analytics available on the market. It's really cool stuff. I think it's very powerful, albeit you know a little controversial as well. On this week's Number Crunch, I'm going to be breaking down goals above replacement, wins above replacement, what they mean, how they're calculated, and all that fun stuff. And then on this week's Stat Chat, I'm joined by a very special guest, someone who utilizes GAR and WAR as part of some amazing visualizations. Jay Fresh is going to be joining me on this week's Stat Chat. We're going to be talking about data visualization the choice of including certain statistics and certain analytics, and what future visualizations he's going to be producing. On this edition of Number Crunch, I'm going to be breaking down player valuation. How can we value players? What is Warren Gar? How is it calculated? And what is its usefulness? Let's take a step back and look at this historically. The concept of wins above replacement, or war, has existed in the sabermetric community within baseball for decades. Dating back to Bill James, the godfather of sabermetrics, and the guy who ruined the eye test. War is a single number that is calculated that is attempting to aggregate the total contributions that the player has on their team. In particular, that total contribution being wins. Hence, the W in war. By assigning a value to each player, you can calculate what the cutoff is for a replacement level, which means that this value is relative to other players, hence the above replacement part of war, the AR part. So what does this have to do with hockey? The origins of war in hockey are only 17 years old, with Allen Ryder's player contribution coming out in 2003. But it wasn't until 2012 that things really started taking off with Shucker and Kuro's total hockey rating. Then War on Ice, Emmanuel Perry, and Evolving Hockey. If you want to learn more about each one of these models, how they work, how they're different from one another, how it's evolved over time, I would highly recommend Google searching wins above replacement, history, philosophy, and objectives that can be found on hockeygraphs.com. It's a three-part series that I'm going to be pulling a lot of this information from, except I'm going to be trying to synthesize it in a more digestible manner. I'm going to be focusing on the evolving hockey war model in this discussion because as of right now, they have the most popular and comprehensive war slash GAR model on the market today. Oh, and I should mention GAR. GAR is goals above replacement and is a take on war wins above replacement and essentially since goals 
are how you win games, there is a conversion calculator that you can use that is also on that website that they, they show you how many goals equal a win. Anyway, there's, they're essentially the same thing. Um, goals above replacement, GAR, wins above replacement, WAR. You can use them interchangeably. And the evolving hockey model is what I'm going to be focusing on here. So let's start at the top. How is this WAR GAR value calculated? This is where things are going to get a little dicey. And I'm going to read you a direct quote from their blog on hockey graphs that describes their process. But take this with a grain of salt because I'm going to try to break this down and synthesize this in much simpler terms than they're using. So essentially what they describe is we run long-term RAPM regressions for each of these components per position, use those as our target variables for corresponding SPM models, convert the SPM outputs to the average, adjust for players team, add in penalty goals and average, convert this to a replacement baseline, and then convert this to wins. That's their description of what they do. And it sounds like a, a lot of acronyms and uh, some some word salad going on here. It's my goal to try to synthesize this and break this down into more digestible pieces to really actually be able to understand what's going on here and what are they doing to generate this number, this pie in the sky number, a single number that enumerates someone's contribution. I'd probably have a much easier time with a whiteboard and some econometrics books for everyone, but I'm gonna do my best translating this through audio before you can start assigning any sort of numbers to players you have to figure out what their offensive and defensive contributions are the guys at evolving hockey do this by calculating a regularized adjusted plus minus abbreviated rapm which is a fancy way of calculating the contribution of a player, the historical contribution of a player. We start with what phenomena we want to understand better. Which variable are we most interested in understanding? Expected goals or goals or Corsi or whatever it is. And let's use Corsi for an example here. When you think of a traditional Corsi plus minus, you would subtract the number of shots your opponent took while you were on the ice from the number of shots your team took while you're on the ice. So let's say you're on the ice for a shift and gave up five shots, took three, and the next shift you gave up three, took four, and the third shift you gave up two and shot four. Do a little quick calculation. Your opponents had five, three, and two, which equals 10 shots, and you've had three, four, and four, which equals 11 shots. So you would have a Corsi plus one because your team outshot your opponent while you're on the ice by a difference of one, plus one Corsi four. That's a very simplistic way of looking at shot differential while you're on the ice. If you wanna spice this up a little bit, rather than just looking at Corsi plus minus, you can regularize and adjust it, hence the RA in RAPM. So rather than just looking at shot differential, let's say you include other variables like the score, the strength, offense or defensive zone start, whether the game is a back-to-back, -back, if it's a home game, etc. So you still are targeting the plus minus or the goals for whatever, whatever you, you're interested in understanding better. But rather than just looking at a simple you know, plus minus calculation, you include all of those variables I just mentioned into the equation while still focusing on Corsi 4 you can determine the impact that those variables have 
on shot generation. How much things like the score, even strength, or power play, offensive or defensive zone starts, etc., etc. Now, I know you've heard me mention in previous episodes when I've discussed various statistics that for every 1% increase in something, there is another increase in something else. That's exactly what we're talking about here, is understanding how an increase in the score or what the strength is, or if it's an offensive or defensive zone start, or if it's a back-to-back, those are all different variables that you can control for and see what the individual relationship is or what the effect that those things have on something like Core C4, which takes it to the next level rather than just looking at a simple plus minus, how many shots did you have versus how many shots did they have, you're actually taking into consideration a host of other variables. With this information, you can estimate the effect that these variables have on what you're interested in knowing more about. This is a powerful metric, and this is powerful information. If you follow Evolving Hockey, I'm sure you've seen their bar charts that they produce that are red and blue, depending if you're above or below the line, that shows your goals four per 60, expected goals four per 60, Corsi four per 60, Corsi against per 60. That's what we're talking about. Those are RAPM charts. And on their own, they're great evaluation tools, unless you're Leon Dreisaitl. But long story short, if you take this data from these historical RAPM, you can plug in real-time data from the NHL, things that are happening right now, like goals relative to teammate metrics, zone start percentages. And that's what you use to develop a single player value for this season. So just to recap, you use this historical data to figure out the impact and determine the coefficient for each one of these variables on whatever you're interested in in studying. And then once you figure out that impact, you can actually plug in real-time data provided by the NHL to determine the value that players have in real time. Once you have what they call statistical plus minus or SPM with real NHL data, you have to uh, include things like a team adjustment and convert this to goals above replacement, which is probably the simple part of this whole project. And that leaves you with a number that describes the aggregate contribution of a player while they're on the ice. Now, you can break this down by different components that are separate for forwards and defensemen. Things like even strength, offense and defense, power play offense, shorthanded defense, and penalties drawn and taken. So what exactly is GAR? Well, it is a descriptive model based on actual goals. Evolving Hockey has introduced things like XGAR and XWAR, which are expected models based on things like shot attempts, expected goals, and shooting talent. But the variable of interest for GAR is goals. That's what the focus is of the model. But in essence, this single number, whether you're talking about goals above replacement or wins above replacement, is the number of goals or wins above replacement level that the player contributes while they're on the ice. Numbers below zero indicate that you are playing below a replacement level. Yikes. Unfortunately, if you want access to these numbers, they are behind a paywall this year at Evolving Hockey. So unless you're a Patreon, 
the public doesn't get access. Sad face. So if you drop a couple bucks to get access, you're going to be staring at a spreadsheet of different numbers. Fortunately, you don't need a doctor in statistics to be able to use this data and understand this data because there's a lot of folks out there that are developing some really cool charts and graphics using this data. My off-season ritual is putting together cool GAR viz on my website, statsenforcer.com. You can see what I did last off-season. But one of the coolest things that I've seen in recent history was done by a user on Twitter called JFresh. He put together some beautiful player cards that are snapshots of GAR and war, expected GAR, expected war, as well as actual goals, assists, and points. And is using this data to produce some really intuitive player cards that display a bunch of information in one place. And I'm going to be talking to him about this on the Stat Chat. On this edition of Stat Chat, I'm joined by Jay Fresh, Jack Johnson doppelganger and creator of the analytics-based visualizations. You can find Jay Fresh on Twitter at jfreshhockey, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you. Fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. I just, uh, I just got the, uh, the game-winning primary assist in my, uh, my intramural semifinal yesterday, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty hot. I'm ready to go. Well, congratulations on that. I'm a huge fan of your player snapshots that you do on Twitter, and I, you know, they're really intuitive visualizations that showcase a variety of offensive and defensive metrics for players. And I got to ask, what was your inspiration for creating this and subsequent visualizations? Uh, first of all, thanks. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, honestly, for me, like my entry point into hockey analytics in the first place was from visualizations, you know, those like hero charts from a couple of years ago that were super popular. Uh, you know, Michael Blake McCurdy's visualizations, especially those player cards he started posting. Like that was how I ended up getting interested into these analytics in the first place. Uh, and, you know, I think for me personally, you know, I wasn't like for, for with most uh, visualizations that people are putting out there, a lot of it is to kind of show off a model that they've created. You know, they're these genius statisticians. So, you know, Micah is putting out his Magnus model and that's his visualizations. The evolving wild guys have their goals above replacement model, you know, so they build a visualization around that. For me, like this was just, it, was, it wasn't even intended to ever be put out there. It was just something that I was creating for myself. Like I had this pile of data in front of me and, you know, I fully admit that I just off the top of my head do not know that much in depth about certain players. So if, you know, if my favorite team acquired someone or, you know, re-signed someone or extended someone, you know, off the top of my head, I, I felt like I didn't have the information on me and I didn't want to have to kind of dig through different sheets of stats and visualizations and stuff. Uh, so really it was, I had all this data in front of me and I wanted to make something so that when that happened, everything that I needed to know was just on a quick, uh, just a quick image that I could look at. And, you know, I, it was, it was really just for me. And so I kind of showed it to a couple people and they, they were big fans of it. They had a lot of critiques. They, they kind of helped me guide it to where I, where the, where it eventually ended up. And, uh, uh, yeah, so really it was a combination of kind of realizing that that's a good entry point uh, and just wanting to make it as accessible as possible for people who may not necessarily be, you know, super, you know, stat savvy because I, I certainly am not like I don't have a background in stats like a lot of the people who are making these visualizations. So for me, it was about making it as simple and inaccessible as possible 
you know, making hockey visualizations for, you know, people who don't know what a Z-score is. I got to say, they're absolutely beautiful. And your player snapshots feature several data sources or data from several sources, including GAR, WAR from Evolving Hockey, points from Natural Stat Trick, shooting from Hockey Viz, and market value from DOM. How did you decide which variables and the sources for those variables that you were going to use in those visualizations? Yeah, uh, it was it was kind of a balancing act because I mean, there's just so much stuff out there. I mean, people have done an incredible job of of creating these models. You know, there's been so much progress made. You know, just even my you know outsider perspective in the past couple of years of what's out there. So, you know, really, it all came down to like I said before. Uh, you know, putting down all the stuff that I would want to have. You know, that if I want to understand how good a player is everything that I feel that I would want to know all in one place. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the, the evolving wild stuff, you know, the goals above replacement, the wins above replacement, you know, that's just such a valuable and data source and being able to present it in a way that it may not necessarily be, you know, presented anywhere else. So for instance, you know, having it kind of as a weighted average instead of just in the aggregate, having a kind of three season timeline, which you don't, you know, wasn't something that I had necessarily found anywhere else where, you know, hockey is obviously a super, uh, variable sport where player performance changes a lot from year to year. And I feel like when you're talking about a player, that's a really important thing. You know, if you're talking about, you know, let's say Taylor Hall, you know, if you have kind of a three-year aggregate snapshot of Taylor Hall, you know, that may not be too accurate because he was elite for two of those seasons and he was replacement level this year. Whereas if you have a timeline, you can clearly see that he was elite in 17-18, elite in 18-19, and is having a really tough season. And you can kind of draw your own interpretations from that. Uh, other things out there, I mean, you know, I know that points are are a little passe in, in certain uh, spots of the analytics community, and, and I appreciate that, and I, I understand those arguments, but I think that they're also something that people like to know. They're things that people find valuable in some sense, so having primary points on there, and especially integrating uh, Micah McCurdy's shooting model, you know, being able to say, you know, hey, maybe, you know, let's say Phil Kessel is not a great play driver. He's terrible defensively. Uh, so, you know, what's the value of him? Well, the value of him is that he has a good shot. Uh, you know, same thing with Alexander Ovechkin, who's a guy who doesn't look fantastic with, you know, the evolving hockey goals above replacement and wins above replacement, but he's got that incredible shot. And so you can say, look, Alex Ovechkin, he's not great defensively, but, you know, he's a great goal scorer. Uh, and then finally, I think a lot of the other stuff was just kind of context that I felt like was was either missing in other visualizations that I had seen or just stuff that was really important to painting a full picture so that that meant both you know having contract information like being able to see how much a player uh, is making currently how many years they have left on their contract how old they are you know that's all valuable information that you kind of want to have in that one place uh, and then another big one for me was kind of time on ice per game and the role that they play on that team because I feel like when you present kind of just raw data as it is out there I, the first critique that you always get is well you know he plays this role or he plays, you know, sheltered minutes or he plays, you know, this much. And I, you know, I think a perfect example is Valerie Nachushkin, who is a very controversial player right now because he's having a ridiculous season, uh, you know, especially in terms of kind of the goals above replacement stats and, and the defense. Uh, but at the same time, he's been playing fourth line minutes and, you know, not to take away anything from the season that he's having. And he's looked really good lately, uh, bumping up those minutes. But I think it is worth mentioning, you know, if you're trying to get an understanding of the season that he's had, you know, he's not doing this on Nathan McKinnon's wing. He's not playing those top minutes. You know, he's playing, you know, bottom six minutes and doing that. 
Uh, and then the last thing there, and kind of the thing that I think draws a lot of people's eye is the the market value, kind of the expected cap hit, which was kind of something that I, I had remembered from an athletic article that Don Lushijan had, had written where he was talking about the price of a win uh, and how it relates to wins above replacement. And, you know, I kind of thought I already had the cap hit on there. You know, I thought it was kind of an interesting idea to use the kind of the three-year weighted wins above replacement average, put it into that formula that Don had created and kind of present it partially as kind of a conversation starter, you know, especially if you're talking about a guy who's just been extended, you know, oh, is he worth this contract or, or, or is he not? Uh, you know, I, I kind of put it on there as just kind of a curiosity. And I think it's, it's a lot of people have kind of latched onto it as a thing that they find particularly interesting. Uh, and then kind of the last thing was just making sure that it was visually appealing because that's kind of how this thing lives and dies is whether people actually, you know, enjoy looking at it, find it interesting to look at. So there was also decisions to be made about kind of stuff to not include uh, stuff that was valuable and stuff that would just clutter it up. Well, I think you made some amazing choices and they look fantastic. And I, I just want to jump into kind of the nuts and bolts of this for a second. And I'm really interested in hearing more about how the sausage is made and without revealing any trade secrets, what are the steps required to pull this data from multiple sources like evolving hockey and natural stat trick and hockey viz and display them in the layout that is presented? Uh, yeah, you don't have to worry about me divulging any trade secrets because I, I really don't have too many to uh, to divulge in the first place. Uh, honestly, there was a lot of stuff that was taken manually, you know, stuff like like cap hits and, and player positions and, and stuff like that uh, was kind of stuff that I had already grabbed in the past, which was which was very useful for getting it on there. Uh, other stuff like the uh, the goals above replacement, wins above replacement, the points, uh, those are taken from, you know, natural statric and evolving hockey. And I, I really, I am not an advanced enough uh, programmer to have kind of automatic data scraping like a lot of sources do. Uh, for me, it really is a matter of kind of every couple of days, you know, downloading the five or six spreadsheets that I need, you know, chucking them in the, the kind of behind the scenes sheets that will feed the rest of it. But, you know, I, I'm using the very exclusive proprietary data software known as Google Sheets to put these together. I, uh, <laughs> I, I used to work with Excel and, and honestly, and this kind of, I guess, is a, a pretty good indicator for kind of where, where this project is, is I started using Google Sheets literally just because it was easier to integrate images and I wanted to have logos because uh, I thought that having logos kind of added a, a color and made it more visually engaging. And with Google Sheets, it's a lot easier to incorporate stuff like that. Uh, and, and I think now it's working out for me because Google Sheets is easier to kind of, you know, do sharing and, and stuff like that, which, which will help me down the line. Uh, but really, honestly, I, I had just have some sheets that, you know, I, I copy and paste the necessary CSVs into. It feeds the rest of it. There's a whole bunch of VLOOKUPs, a whole bunch of sheets that are, you know, dedicated to calculating weight, weighted averages and stuff. And uh uh, yeah, it just kind of works automatically from there, which is which is pretty helpful. It took a little while and, and a lot of, you know, it was a pr bit of a pain in the ass to set up in the first place, but it, it really did not take any kind of exclusive insider uh, programming or cons uh, computer science knowledge to, to really put it together in the first place. I guess there's hope for me yet because I, that's what I was, I've always been worried about is I, I thought uh, for sure that there was some fancy uh, scraping stuff going on in the background. Oh. I'm I'm truly a graphic design is my passion guy way more than I am a I'm a stats guy, 
Like this is really like, you know, I kind of, I did my intro to stats. I did my Excel workshops. You know, I, I went through the ringer with that, but nobody would mistake me for, you know, Michael Blake McCurdy or, or the evolving wild guys, as far as my actual talent at, at data analytics software. So, which has led to some kind of fun interactions where people are speculating what programs that I'm using and they're saying, Oh, like you're using R for this or you're using, you know, Python or Tableau or whatever. And here I am kind of working in Google sheets, like a, you know, like an intern, but you know, it, so far it's done the job. Uh, hopefully I can figure out how to, how to, you know, press it further in the future. That's awesome. No, that is, that is a really cool insight and uh, a look into the process. And I'm curious, what can you tell us and can you give us a sneak peek as to any future projects that you're currently working on? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of limited in, in what I can do just based on the fact that I'm not a data analyst, you know, I, I like, you know, for instance, like evolving wild have just put out their player uh, comparison tool, which is insanely cool and something that I would never, ever be able to put together. So really what I'm kind of putting together is just as much as I can with the data that I have that is, that is not out there right now and that I find interesting. So for example, like a couple of weeks ago, I, I put up some visualizations, which uh, are kind of more timeline based, which I like, I find the timeline thing super interesting, especially considering that, you know, we have all this historical data and by, you know, in analytics, historical means 2007. But, you know, nonetheless, we have all this data that really is kind of laying, you know, unanalyzed just because, you know, people really aren't really going back and seeing, you know, oh, how was David Legwand in 2011? Uh, you know, because we have all these new models that we can actually retroactively apply. Uh, but I think that there's curiosity there. I think people kind of want to know how the players that they, you know, grew up watching or were big fans of, you know, uh, in the past decade, you know, how they stacked up. So putting things together, like, you know, I, I, I am working on kind of historical player cards. So I kind of have them set up for the year 2010 and 2013, uh, which is just kind of a fun curiosity. Uh, there's one that I put out a couple of weeks ago, which is uh, a timeline of uh, the even strength offense uh, goals above replacement and the even strength defense goals above replacement. So kind of taking apart uh, the wins above replacement number, which, which I found useful just in terms of kind of filling in the blanks of what isn't covered by the player cards. Cause you know, people were saying to me, you know, I would post say an Austin Matthews card and I would say, you know, he's, he's mediocre defensively. And then somebody would comment, well, you know, yeah, he started, you know, two years ago, he was really, really bad defensively, but he's actually gotten a lot better. And for me to see how he had developed as a defensive player, I kind of had to just go into the, you know, go into the stats and, and look at the, the charts themselves. But the ability to kind of visualize and say, oh, Austin Matthews actually has had a pretty good defensive season and he's improved a lot. You know, that wasn't something that I that I could really find out there. So that's that's something there. Um, and then another big one and one that I am proud of and surprised that I was actually kind of able to put it together considering uh, the data sources was a uh, the cap hit versus cap hit expected wins above replacement uh, visualization, which is also a timeline, but essentially it kind of inverts the formula that's on kind of the main cards that guesses market value. Uh, uh, you know, like a, the the cap hit that would be expected based on your wins above replacement, and kind of inverts that to find historically what is the expected wins above replacement based on a player's cap hit which means that you can plot a player's actual wins above replacement over the past decade against what their wins above replacement would be expected to be based on the amount that they were getting paid. 
and from that you can kind of see how a player's career has changed you know how their contract value has changed and also kind of calculate how much the team's paying them you know how much they've gotten in surplus you know theoretical cap money uh which, which I found interesting, especially when you have players like, you know, Mark Stone or like Sean Couturier who have been getting constantly underpaid. And you can see that in their careers, you know, they have theoretically saved their teams like over $50 million in, in contract value. Uh, and then kind of the last thing and, and one that I, I think is kind of the, the last thing that I'll be putting out for the next little while uh, is a roster builder tool, uh, which kind of uses three-year weighted uh, wins above replacement for uh, forwards and expected wins above replacement for defensemen based on the evolving uh, wild numbers uh, to basically allow you to create a roster, create a lineup, and then it will estimate uh, how many standing how many standings points uh, that that team is likely to receive. Uh, and then on top of that, it also is integrated with uh, the uh, it shows you the cap hit of the players as well as their kind of expected cap hit of the team. So you can kind of see overall how is the team done as far as managing the cap and getting players under affordable contracts. So really kind of running theme with all this is stuff that may not necessarily be out there, but is possible for someone who is not very good at stats and just has a bunch of data and wants to visualize it, uh, what I'm capable of doing with that. So I think that that's probably going to be, be it for the time being. So really my, my main project is figuring out how to get it all out there and available to the public. Cause right now it's kind of available for, in an on-demand basis, you know, if you, you know, ask me on Twitter or something comes up in the news or, you know, if someone, you know, donates to me on, on coffee or Kofi or whatever that website is, uh, I can put it out there, but I, I'm really working towards getting it out there kind of on a Patreon or, or a subscriber site so that people can actually get a good look for themselves and kind of play around with all these toys that I spent the past month making. All that stuff sounds awesome. And for armchair GMs like myself, I could see losing hours or days even uh, trying to put together the perfect roster based on uh, the data and everything. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, it sounds pretty awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, and uh, one, one final thing, which, which, which I feel like kind of ties very deeply into my, my outlook with this. Uh, and, and a thing that, you know, I, I kind of posted the, the roster creator on Twitter yesterday. And I think I got the biggest response to the fact that there was a, a switch on the roster creator that turned the wins above replacement numbers into like EA NHL style overall ratings, uh, which I think, you know, for me personally, that's way more comprehensible than wins above replacement. Like, you know, if you ask me, you know, what does 2.5 wins above replacement over a full season mean as far as the caliber of player, I couldn't off the top of my head say, you know, good second liner, good third liner. Uh, and I think that that goes for, for a lot of people who maybe aren't as familiar with, with the data as I, as, as I also am. Uh, and, you know, so I put it out there with the kind of NHL style ratings and, you know, I had like six different people saying like, Oh, okay, this makes sense for me now. Uh, which is absolutely how I feel about it too. So, uh, accessibility is kind of the, is kind of the name of the game for me. I, I can, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but I can say for myself, I really do appreciate that. Anything that is this intuitive and this accessible, I think is, is fantastic. Especially like you said, in the swimming in the sea of all this data. Um, I think, I think this is a, a great way to present it. As I do with all my guests, I want to give you the floor for a second. And if there's anything you want to plug, anything you want to shout out, uh, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, Basically, like I said, I'm still working on the Patreon. It will be available to the public soon, hopefully, and and so everybody will be able to to mess around with all the different 
models and visualizations I've put out there. Uh, in the meantime, just, you know, if you follow my Twitter account at JFreshHockey, I frequently post those player cards and also kind of different oddities that I've found with, with these different visualizations I've put together. Uh, you can also re uh, request visualizations if you want to see them or, or player cards for certain players. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, even though you can't sign up on Patreon, uh, I do have a, a Kofi account. So if you want to request anything in particular, I am very responsive on that. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your schedule uh, to join me here. And I, I really do appreciate all your thoughts and everything and, and the process behind it. And I think like I said before, you're doing great work. This is fantastic stuff. And, and I'm really glad that uh, you're able to join me here. Thanks for having me. I will, I will say just to clarify if there's anybody mistaking, I don't look anything like Jack Johnson. Uh, I, I probably should change that profile picture because I have been mistaken for someone looking like Jack Johnson a couple times, including from one very funny uh, Mark Madden fan uh, when he kind of quote tweeted me and put me on blast uh, who told me that I was as dumb as I look. Wow. And what was the inspiration for that? Why did you end up going with the uh, the Jack Johnson uh, face? So that's the like the kind of funny thing about it is that I just kind of created that account in October 2019. Uh, I think that it was to post some kind of visualization of like expected goals percentage or something that I created. You know, I had like zero followers. I didn't get any traction from that. And then so I just kind of needed a profile picture and, and you know, my profile picture on, on certain sites is just kind of a picture of Jack Johnson's face because it kind of became a, a meme or stupid joke or whatever. And then I posted the player cards not expecting anything at all from it. Like I was not expecting any attention whatsoever. I really thought this was just going to be kind of one of those, you know, six likes, you know, maybe one retweet kind of thing. And then Dom Lucision retweeted it which really just got an insane amount of attention on it. And I, I really appreciate that he did that because it is pretty much completely irresponsible for anybody paying any attention to, uh, to the cards at all. But I kind of still had this stupid Jack Johnson <laughs> profile picture, which I haven't bothered to fix. So, you know, I'm, if you also want to send me a message on Twitter and give me any recommendations for something a little bit more uh, respectful to have as my profile picture, I'm definitely open to that. I want to thank you for taking the time and, and joining me and, and uh, looking forward to what you're doing next. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, let's bring this thing up to date and let's talk about this season and who's leading the way in GAR. Fortunately for y'all, I am a Patreon for the Evolving Wild website, so I've got all the latest and greatest GAR data for this season. What insights can we glean from this data? Let's start with forwards. There's really four different types of forwards. There's good all-around forwards, good offensive forwards, good defensive forwards, and poor all-around forwards. One of the biggest surprising names has been Elias Pettersson of the Canucks, who's been an extremely well-rounded player in the top 10% offensively and top 30-ish percent defensively. Even though Val Nachuskin has been getting all the headlines, or at least has been the subject of the Twitter controversy of most valuable player, because he leads all forwards in defensive guard. I think Pedersen deserves a little bit of credit, especially in terms of his defense as such a young player. Panarin has been in a class of his own offensively. Historically, this is a trade-off for defensive performance, a la people like Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl or Alexander Ovechkin, who are near the top of the league in offensive guard, but usually negative guard players. However, Panarin is actually above replacement level in both defensive value and offensive value and leading the league in offensive guard. 
honorable mention that should be noted is Braden Point, somebody who is second in the league in offensive production and a little bit better defensively than Panarin. If we move to the forwards that are just good offensively, we're really talking about Patrick Kane, who has the distinction of having the worst defensive guard amongst forwards, but actually makes up for it with his offensive guard and production. He's joined by the likes of Kyle Connor, Mark Sheffley, Connor McDavid, Chris Kreider as some of the best offensive players with some defensive liability. And then there's the guys that you can lean on for defensive production, shutdown line guys, but you shouldn't expect much offense out of Zach Austin Reese, Nick Suzuki, and the Brandon Tanevs of the league. And lastly, what about the all-around poor players? Well, Capo Caco has not had a memorable rookie season. He has been ranked as the worst offensive player in the league, and his defense is bottom five amongst forwards. But I won't worry too much about it this year. The good news is that he is a rookie. He's got a lot of room to grow. I wouldn't read too much into this. We've seen other players with rookie seasons that have been extremely subpar. And the good news is for most of these players, they do have sheltered roles. There's two exceptions. Tanner Pearson and Jack Hughes have both been given over 800 minutes at even strength and are both negative in offensive and defensive guard. Well, if we move to defensemen, this chart is all over the map. And we're going to stick with the same four categories. Good all around, good offensively, good defensively, and poor all around. Ryan Ellis has been such a stud this year. He's leading all defensemen in offensive gar and is top 25 in defensive gar. Some of the surprises, though, Ryan Pulak and John Marino are two names I don't think anyone would have expected to be in this good all-around category. If we move to good offensive players, Madison Bowie is leading the league in worst defense amongst defensemen, but his offense is good enough to barely cover for that deficiency, which is really saying something. Like He is truly a, a good offensive player and is not on a very good team. Maybe they should consider moving him to forward. I don't know. He's joined by the likes of Eric Gustafson, Brett Pesci, and John Carlson as offensive specialists that have some defensive liabilities in their game. Whereas defensive specialists include Jamie Oleksiak, Rasmus Anderson, David Savard, and Patrick Nemeth. And lastly, there's a few names in the poor all-around category that were a little surprising and one that wasn't, Jack Johnson. Some of the surprising ones, though, Jake Gardner, P.K. Subban, and Jakob Truba were both positive guard players last year and had very poor seasons and subpar seasons this year. This is the good and the bad and the ugly, all about guard, how it's calculated, and all that jazz. And I'm going to be referring to guard in future episodes. I might be breaking down some special teams guard later on. There's a lot of information here. It's a lot to pack into one episode. So expect me to revisit this. Be sure to tune in next week where I'm going to be looking at PDO. What's PDO? Well, it's a number that gets thrown around a lot. It's the save percentage and shooting percentage of your team. It's typically referred to as the luck statistic because your team should average or hover around 100. And if you're significantly below or significantly above, we should expect regression. I don't know. We'll get into that next week. In the meantime, folks, stay safe and drink and think responsibly. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Ice Analytics, your source for NHL stats and analysis hosted by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at Ice Analytics, and you can find the show notes at 
www.stassenforcer.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to our feed and leave us a review.